Hi everyone, welcome to the Money Wisdom Podcast. Today it is indeed our great honor to have Dr. Wei Dai, or maybe in Chinese, Dr. Tai Wei, Head of Investment Research from Dimensional Fund Advisors, to join us to have this conversation on the value of advice. Before we jump into our conversation, I need to do two things. So, firstly, I need to apologize for my horse voice. Horse as not like the animal horse voice, <laughs> <laughs> but rough. Okay, because I am uh, still recovering from a bacterial infection of my throat, but I'm sure you can still hear me. Uh, but just that my voice wouldn't sound very nice. And secondly, before we talk to Dr. Wei Dai, uh, allow me to properly introduce her. So, Dr. Wei leads a global team within the research group that conducts empirical research on a variety of investment topics, including drivers of returns, ESG, asset allocation, and life cycle finance. She works closely with clients to translate research insights into relevant practical implications. Dr. Wei is also a frequent speaker at dimensional and industry events. Prior to joining Dimensional in 2014, Dr. Wei received her PhD in Operations Research and Financial Engineering from Princeton University. Her academic research focuses on statistical methods in finance and has been published in various journals, including the Journal of Finance, Journal of the American Statistical Association and Journal of the Business and Economics Statistics. She also holds a BS in Mathematics and Applied Mathematics from Zhejiang Dashue in <laughs> China. So welcome, Dr. Wei. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. And I have to say, Chris, you sound very manly. I'm sure we'll have a really nice conversation. Well, I don't know why. I mean, I usually sound okay during a podcast, but knowing that you are coming, so I got very nervous and maybe because of that, I got an infection. <laughs> okay, so I, I mean, I hope my, my voice will hold up uh, throughout the entire podcast, uh, but uh, you should be doing most of the talking, so I should be fine. Okay, yeah, and thanks for the nice intro. I think the audience already knows that I'm the nerdy one today. So. <laughs> I always wanted to ask, BS is Bachelor of Science? Yes, why is that? yes. Okay. okay, I should read Bachelor of Science in Mathematics because BS doesn't sound very <laughs> correct. She is a BS in Mathematics. You know, I so didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah sometimes yeah. the acronyms can be quite uh, interesting. Okay, so maybe um, as a start, uh, I, mean, I wanted to ask about your money beliefs, but I thought it's uh, interesting for our listeners to understand. I mean, I mean, from your name, obviously you were from China and then you went to US and studied. So maybe tell us a little bit about that, your, the, your history, how you ended up in US, your studies, and then mm -hmm. work for Dimensional and all that. Yeah, absolutely. As you were just saying that I grew up in China, so in kind of the uh, area pretty close to Shanghai, so in okay. the Nanjing and then also Zhejiang area. Okay. Uh, and then I did math uh, in my undergrad. So it's a very useful field, but also uh, at least at the time, I feel like after just undergrad, I'm not sure what I can work on. I wanted to study a bit more. So okay. um, and then I decided to go for um, grad school. So okay. I did my PhD uh, at Princeton okay. uh, doing um, essentially statistics, okay. you know, a lot of applied and then also doing um, applied statistics into finance. Okay. And then that's where my interest about empirical finance uh, start to grow. Uh, after grad school, I decided that I, you know, wanted to go to industry because uh, I like the kind of rigor part of my research. But at the same time, um, I also wanted to 
have a little bit more real world impact in the、mm. sense that I don't want to be just kind of be in my little room and write papers that、mm. only a handful of people can understand.、Uh, I think that、uh, really I'm kind of. Yeah,、uh, so that's why I started to look for jobs at、uh, in the industry, and、uh, yeah. I feel quite fortunate actually to、um, come across Dimensional as、okay. a company, and I started there at、uh, in 2014 in the headquarter in Austin, Texas. I spent up, up about five years there,、okay. and then moved to Asia to Singapore.、Right. Yeah. So, did you go to Princeton from China、uh, on a scholarship? Ah、uh, yes,、okay. that's right.、Wow. Yeah, there's a like a modest allowance that、okay. we have every、uh, every month. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So in in our Singapore's lingo, we'll be we'll be calling you a scholar because oh that sounds pretty fancy. <laughs> <laughs> but how did you get interested? I mean, from I mean, I know you mentioned a bit, but how did you、uh, get interested in in investments? Because mathematics, right? You could have gone many other ways, right? But why investment? Yeah, I, I guess because I was doing yeah mathematics and later on statistics,、um, especially statistics. It is a you know, there's a lot of numbers, but、mm-hmm. uh, its nature is a, applied science.、Right. So you need to apply somewhere, right? So right. I actually uh, did um, try to apply statistical methods in different fields, including、mm. you know biology. You know, thinking so there's the field of biostatistics, and then also working with professors in the econ department doing、uh, applying statistics. In in finance,、um, it just it feels to me that the, the finance the the applications in finance just make a lot more sense to me.、Okay. Maybe because I didn't have enough background in biology or something, so、um, I just found it really fascinating. But, but maybe partially also because in the finance world, because in statistics, all we You know, oftentimes to talk about is the signal versus noise, right? And then the methods is about distilling that information from noise.、Mm-hmm. Um, and、uh, maybe the fascinating part about、uh, the applications in finance is that the signal to noise ratio is actually pretty low.、Mm-hmm. There's tons of noise out there; things、mm-hmm. can happen by chance. But then there's also useful、um, information. So I right, think that's.、Right. Kind of make it a little bit more challenging when it comes to thinking about the applications,、okay. and uh, uh, and I also feel like I、uh, was fortunate、uh, to find a, a advisor that is quite interested in that field as well. So、oh, that's I how I started. So、yeah. you had an advisor back then, somebody advising you. Oh yeah, yeah. So、okay. for PhDs, usually have、oh, a PhD whole committee. I,、uh, I have my main advisor who does a little bit finance, but then I also had another uh, advisor uh, on my committee who is from econ department doing finance. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to take you down memory lane now and ask you a bit more, you know, about、uh, some of the money beliefs that you grew up with, especially you know in your growing up years in China.、Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure a lot of them. I mean, for most of the guests that I have spoken to, it came from their parents. So maybe Doctor Wei, you can share with us, you know, the money beliefs that you grew up with. Yeah, absolutely. I actually had to think a little bit on that question because I knew that you typically would ask that question to your guests.、Um, and as you said, it really goes back to, yeah, how I was brought up, and、uh, you know how my parents, especially I would say my mom, you know, think about money, think about saving, and everything. So、um, there are two things、uh, that really came to my mind as I was reflecting on my、mm-hmm. upbringing.、Um, you know, one is that my mom was. 
you know, quite frugal, uh, you know, when I grew up, and mm. which I think is not that uncommon yeah. uh, for people in that generation uh, who kind of went through a lot of hardships and mm. then also came from nothing and then, you know, have seen um, a lot of the in increase in their um, standard of living, but then they are also conditioned to, right, live the way they, they were when they were not as um, wealthy. So, um, so I think that has a lot of impact on me. Uh, so I think when I was younger, yeah, I would complain on my mom being really cheap. Uh, but then my mom's defense would always be that, no, she's not just looking for the cheapest you know, oh, items. Okay. It's about value for money. Okay. Uh, and then she also says that, you know, when she looks at me as the next generation, she understands that our standard of living will be increasing over mm, time. Mm. Um, but still, this concept of value for money uh, is very important. You should never be like overpaying for stuff. And, mm, uh, mm. And, um, and, and I think there's a lot of wisdom in that, which I yeah. probably did not appreciate as right. much when I grew up, uh, but much more so today. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's one. The second one I will mention is um, something that my mom says so frequently. Um, it's a Chinese saying that mm. She says that all the time. I guess the translation is that, you know, really everybody loves money, mm. uh, but you have to get it the proper way. Mm. Uh, and then I think for her, it's mm. less about kind of getting money part when she says it. It's more about when she tries different ways to save money. Um, she will get good deals and so on, but not to the extent that you're taking advantage of others or mm -hmm. you know the system or something. Mm -hmm. But then I do think it has impact on how I think about not just saving money, but also how I earn my money. Mm -hmm. um, having you know that proper way of getting your wealth right, is right. really, really important. So your family you know, that you grew up with, um, you were considered to be low-income family or middle-income family, and how many siblings do you have? Uh, I'm the only child, okay. and then that's pretty common in my generation. Oh, that's right. uh, yeah, yeah, in that uh, area uh, era, um, I would say we're more like normal middle-class family because okay. uh, I never had really starved or you know uh, never had trouble with say paying my tuition mm. things like that mm. but we're by no means wealthy yeah. uh yeah my mom is quite yeah frugal and uh you know there are definitely a lot of things who i probably wanted to buy mm. uh back then and she would push back on yeah. yeah so i mean just hearing from you i suppose that even though life is better for your parents now your mom is still very much the same as in she's not going to splurge anyhow. She's still very frugal, even though she has a lot more and she's still looking for uh, things that are of value. It sounds like she's going to be a very good investor because she's looking <laughs> for value, right? And at the same time, uh, yeah, I, 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 I think that's in a way also influenced uh, how you manage your finances today? Has that shaped your own money values today? Yeah, I guess didn't realize there's the wisdom about value investing. Mm, yeah. yeah, so maybe that's why I'm with a value so <laughs> manager. She, so she, or, it, she yeah. started it. <laughs> maybe, yeah, yeah. So it's not, uh, you know, uh, Warren Buffett's heart. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> we should put her name out down somewhere, Financial Analyst Journal or something. Yeah, but I definitely think a lot about, uh, you know, what I'm paying versus what I'm getting. It's, uh, you know, when I'm spending, for example, I'm allergic to, you know, overspending than what's needed. For example, if I want to get a grab, you know, I would compare between really? different apps <laughs> in order to get, if I can save $5, why not? It's the same route. So uh, you, you actually check a few apps before you. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, I'm. And then there are four now. So okay. maybe if it gets too much, then maybe I, I shouldn't check everything because your time is valuable as yeah, well. Yeah. Uh, but that's what I do. Uh, oh <laughs> and then my. I guess when it comes to investing, you know, yeah, like probably the same thing. I don't okay. want to be overpaying for investment products. Okay. Yeah. I'm so embarrassed because I don't. I just get so used to grab, and then I'll just. You know, pressed it. I I don't bother to check uh, <laughs> at all. Well, it looks like I'm quite a lousy investor. Maybe you should check because sometimes you'll be surprised, especially during those surge pricing yeah, periods, yeah. Uh, how big of a difference it can make. Yeah, yeah, I mean, in the past I do check, but it's just that I always find that okay for me, Grab always seems to be the cheapest. I mean, things like Gojek. Okay, I hope I'm not making an advertisement for Grab. <laughs> okay, it's just that when I check the rest of the the platforms, they usually cannot beat you know for me Grab. Ah, uh, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, but I'm not advertising for Grab. Okay, I'm just <laughs> saying that I don't even compare. You know, I just basically, uh, you know, choose Grab and just click it. You know, when I first see the uh, the price. So, um, yeah. To the next question that I have for you is, I mean, of course, obviously, um, you are very successful uh, in your career now, financially a lot more uh, comfortable, and you're the head of research of Dimensional. So you should know investments a lot more than yeah, most people out there. But in terms of managing your own money, are you pretty confident with that? Mm, yeah, I guess I had to pause a bit. Um, because it, when it comes to the pure investing side, yeah. you know, thinking about how I should build a portfolio, you know, thinking about diversification, all of that. That part I'm pretty comfortable mm -hmm. because um, I... I started investing probably after I started at Dimensional. So I, I feel I'm fortunate enough to avoid a lot of the costly mistakes that um, mm. other investors may be doing. Mm. Um, but I had to pause mainly because I think your question is about managing your money. Yeah, so it's like not just more, yeah, it's yeah. more about your financial lives. Um, I would say, you know, if it's four or five years ago, it will be a, a more solid yes, because at the time my financial situation is very simple. But now in the past four or five years, you know, I've moved countries. I've moved from US to Singapore, um, you know, have accounts in different places, but also more importantly, expanded the family. I had two kids born during the pandemic, you know, pandemic, pandemic kids. kids. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, and then, so I definitely feel like there's a lot more I need to sort out mm. when I think about my retirement, education planning, insurances, and, and so on. Um, and I have to confess that um, for even for you know insurance, I only get sorted sort out this year. Mm. I probably should have done that earlier. Mm -hmm. I just didn't feel like I have the time mm. to do it. So for a lot of things, I feel if I have the time, I probably can collect more relevant information and, uh, you know, sort everything out. Mm. Uh, but I, yeah, don't feel I, I'm fully there yet, just mm -hmm. because there's so many other things that right, uh, right. occupy my life right, right now. Yeah. So when it comes to investing, you're pretty confident because I mean, that's your role, that's your job. Mm -hmm. But what you're saying is that maybe in other areas of personal finance, because life has gotten more complicated, you have children, and you have moved countries, you have got uh, assets in different jurisdictions. Mm -hmm. So things have become more complicated and in a way you have, relative to investments, you, that, uh, you have become less confident. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think so, that's fair, yeah. Okay, so if, if you look back in history, you know, all these years on managing money, um, not just uh, investing and all that, but spending, mm. um, splurging, you know, all that. Do you think you have made uh, money mistakes in your lives? And if you have, 
Uh, it's okay. Tell us if you don't. You have never. Okay, it's okay. We can accept perfection. Okay, you have never. Tell us. No, I've never made mistakes. Always been successful. But if you have, can you share with us some of these mistakes? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, when you say mistakes, because I'm so conditioned to think about investing, so that's okay. why I was thinking. Oh, a lot of the you know the obvious mistakes people make, I'm probably I was lucky enough to avoid. Uh, so on the investments investing side. Maybe more of a, a regret, I would say, is not to start earlier. Because uh, okay. I actually remember back in my college, I had a really close friends who actually started doing dollar cost investing back then because we had scholarships and you know also earnings from internships and so on. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was already doing investing, and uh, we even laughed at him. We were like, "Was that such an adult thing to do? Such uncool thing, you know?" To to also budget yourself in the Excel file. We we didn't do any of that when uncool? we were <laughs> for a mathematics to the uncool. I thought that's quite cool <laughs> at the age, you know, to play Excel yeah. spreadsheet and that's uncool. No, because I feel like maybe in college it's more about you know chasing your okay, dreams great. and thinking about what's possible instead of really already trying to get more out of your current you know assets. Uh, so I, I think actually think thinking back, maybe I should give him a call after this podcast. Uh, there's a lot of wisdom in what he's doing, and then actually at the time I was already doing some internships and getting scholarships. I probably should should have started okay. uh, back then. In terms of in, uh, spending. Um, I guess I definitely had my mom's influence. I'm not a big spender, uh, but maybe also because my mom's influence, it's everything about mom, mm. uh, just in terms of getting the value for money, I, I do feel there are quite a few cases where I, you know, bought those type of memberships, you know, memberships mm. for mm. gyms, memberships mm. for nails, all well, kinds nails, of okay, things. Because I feel like I got a good deal up front. Okay. But then, you know, in hindsight, if you're, yeah, I guess technically, if you think about the more economic concept, it's more about uh, I'm underestimating the value of flexibility, mm. uh, you know, and also, I guess, overestimating how much you, you end up using mm. the service. Mm. Um, so those are probably the, the, the mistakes I, I try to avoid, but then haven't been very successful. Mm. My, my husband always laughs at me when, when I say, I, I, you know, I signed up for something <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. in order to save money. Yeah, he, he. he's very logical, okay. uh, probably more so than, than I am when it comes to these type of uh, okay. you know, seemingly good deals. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean it's, it's true that we men, we never make any money mistakes, you know? <laughs> Okay, I'm just kidding. That's yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, that's uh, the confidence or overconfidence. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we always say that to our wife, and our wife will just let us be. They'll just laugh and let us be. But you know, if I can just you know uh, push a bit, what is the biggest money mistake that you have made, and, and big value if you can think of? I'm not investing. Have you ever bought something so expensive and then you you look back and then you like you regretted it? You regretted the decision. Like, for example, for ladies, you buy a very expensive handbag. Have you mm. ever? Yeah, I have definitely bought handbags before. And I have to say, you know. It's an investment. <laughs> no. <laughs> Actually, uh, that's more, you know, when I first started earning money, including, you know, earning allowances in PhD lives. Um, and then that's the first time you feel like you have some freedom mm -hmm. in your right uh, in, in how much you can spend on certain things so i have definitely bought handbags but not too like a yeah too extreme amount okay. and uh, and what i also realized is that as soon as i realized that i can't afford 
certain things. You know, you some luxury brands that you That's feel fine. like you, you want one. Yeah. As soon as I realize I can afford those, actually they become less interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once I moved to Singapore, I guess the good thing is I realized how expensive things are in Singapore, mm-hmm. you know, compared to what I'm used to in the US. Mm-hmm. So I actually don't really do a lot of shopping okay. these days. Okay. And maybe also because of kids, I, I just spend more on kids these yeah. days. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting you said that, you know, the minute you realize that you can afford it, these expensive things, they don't interest you as much. Mm-hmm. Can you explain the psychology behind? I know I didn't prep you for this question, <laughs> but I just thought it's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it's really about what you get out of what you purchase, right? Mm. Um, of course, I think, you know, there are, you know, a lot of these handbags are well-made, so you do get the utility mm-hmm. out of... Yeah, the quality. W- yeah, the quality. Um, and then that's why I feel these days I try to buy maybe just one thing that can last a long time. Okay. Uh, but at the same time, I think, especially um, when you were still younger and, and just getting into the society and so on, there's also the kind of the psychological thing associated with mm. being able to buy some of the luxury brands kind of in order to show people, you know, mm. I have good taste or maybe mm. I can afford these things. Um, and then I feel part of um, getting mature is to realize that that's these true. things don't matter at yeah, all. That's true. Um, and then, and also um, I think the kind of the, uh, yeah, the sad thing is that oftentimes, you know, people who maybe can spend that much money on mm. certain things, they, they might even, you know, be on credit card debt because uh, mm. I think in in the U.S. it's a very much a, a mm. consumption you know driven yeah. society. So you people may be even on debt in order to mm. buy these things. Yeah. Uh, that's where I really see. Mm. Of course, if you can afford them, you like them. That's totally fine. That's fine yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, it's just that if you are just buying it for other purposes, mm. um, then it's not that mm. uh, useful. I mean, there's a saying that people buy things that they don't need with the money that they don't have to impress the people they don't even know, <laughs> right? So I guess when you reach a stage in your life whereby you feel you don't have to impress anyone, right? You can actually afford it, but you don't have to impress anyone. Then it becomes not so interesting because you don't have to buy things that you don't need uh, anymore. And usually for the ladies, when they become like a mother, a lot of focus on the children. They now decide to, or they now go shop for things that their children need. You can go shopping the whole day, but you end up buying things for your children instead. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I feel like they your priorities change, change. over time. Right. Yeah, right. But I also feel like these are um, kind of life stages you will need to go through. Mm. It's not like you know, in my twenties, I I wish I just think as if I'm That's you know true. in my life stage now. Yeah. It's just you you need to feel comfortable in every life stage yeah. that you are in. I mean, you yeah. can't short circuit these things. You have to learn it through time. Yeah. So when you are making money decisions. Uh, and I don't just mean investment. Of course, it includes investments. But do you have someone that you trust that you can sort of like bounce ideas with? You know, you, you ask them for advice. Do you have mm-hmm. such kind of person? Yeah, I think uh, for me, it would be more uh, my, my husband because um, he is a very logical person. Uh, okay. And also, uh, he is also in the field of finance, not okay. as a practitioner, but as a, an academic. Right. Uh, so I often feel like we have a combination of him more on the theoretical side of things and me thinking okay. about uh, the the practical side. Um, so I do think for a big 
um, investment or you know money decisions is a more of a joint decision okay. of both of us. Okay. Um, but then of course there are areas we you know neither of us are familiar with. You know, okay. for example, um, sorting out. I was mentioning how I sorted out insurance this year uh, because I you know insurance offerings are different in different mm. regions and then different rules of thumb and and so on. We didn't know much about these. Um, so for that we we had to get um, you know advice from advisors. So uh, and there I got uh, kind of introductions from people I trust and yeah. um, uh, got help in so sorting things out. What would you consider to be a good advice? I mean, you have spoken to advisors, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you have spoken to more than one advisors. What would you consider to be good advice? Mm-hmm. How do you how do you tell this person you know is a good advisor for you? Yeah, I think there are a few things. Um, you know, first it has to be like you know the, the good advice means that it's about me uh, because of course there are okay. uh, fundamental principles rules of thumbs and so on mm. but then how those principles apply to me right will really depend on my situation and what i care about okay. my challenges and, and so on so it cannot be a generic advice one size fits all so i think it really needs to be about me but then second, I would say, it's not repeating myself, but it needs to be, it's truly about me mm. in the sense that it's in my best interest okay. um, and uh, really kind of coming from an unbiased place. So I say that because, you know, it's not just about money advice, right? It applies to everything. If you're thinking about the career advice, right? Uh, um, even if I shop for clothes, let's say, I wouldn't take advice from the sales clerk, right? Whether I look good in certain things, mm, I mm. would take advice from my friends. Mm, uh, mm. And in that regard, I probably even wouldn't take advice from my husband because mm. he will be conditioned to say, I look good in everything. Mm. So He's conflicted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's why I feel like the incentives, it doesn't have to be like bad incentives because my, mo- uh, my my husband always say this is his survival instinct. Mm. Mm. So, but, uh, but kind of knowing that it's truly about me and, um, you know, good advice for me, that's quite important. The other thing I would say more related to money and investment is that um, I think the the person who's given advice, you know, kind of needs to be knowledgeable knowledgeable enough to be able to dis dis Dispense demystify things mm. for me. Oh, I see. But okay. at the same time, also have the humility to acknowledge that he or she doesn't know okay. things. Um, the the reason I say it, you know, the demystifying part is because, as you know, in financial industry, there's so many jargons, yeah. right? So yeah. many myth about things and um, a lot of headlines that giving people a lot of anxieties. Um, Of course, one way you can go about it is to say, well, that's why you need advice because you don't understand any of this. But then for me, it's important that uh, if that person knows enough about certain things, he's Mm. able to explain to me in simple terms. That's what my advisor always said. If you can't explain things in simple terms, that means you you don't know mm. it you, you don't understand it well enough right, right. Um, so I think that applies a lot to the financial industry um, but then on this the other part though is that having that humility to say there are a lot of things you, you can't control right, right? you right. don't really control the course of this economy the world and uh, you know you see a lot of market pundits kind of having that confidence about right. where things are going and sound very professional and knowledgeable but if you it's very easy to poke holes in what they're trying to claim or, right, you know, right. so, um, so I feel, um, you know, 
being able to acknowledge that there's going to be a lot of uncertainty mm. uh, and nobody really has a crystal ball about the future, but yet you can plan for that. And, right. then, and then here's how things can potentially shake out for you in terms of your uh, mm. course of life. I think that's quite important when it comes to the investment side. Right. I mean, thanks for sharing. I mean, we talk a lot about knowledge, uh, investment knowledge, product knowledge, and knowledge about your financial situation. How much importance do you place or will you place on an advisor who will have a good knowledge on who you are as a person, mm -hmm. your character, your personality, a bit about your journey in life? Because, you know, our significant events in our lives sometimes can affect how we invest, mm -hmm. how we view um, money, right? Uh, I mean, like, uh, we have been speaking for the last probably 20 minutes or so, and... And I know that you come from a background whereby you value uh, prudence because of who your mother is. Right? So how, how much importance do you place in an advisor who really understands this part of you? Or for you, it's, it's okay. You don't need to really understand this part of me. I'll just tell you what I want. I'll tell you this is my financial situation. Just give me the best investment advice relative to those financial situations. Uh, I think it's you know, kind of the understanding your situation is mm. as important as the technical aspect okay. or just the numbers aspect of your okay. financial life. Because I think in the end, you know, thinking about your financial life and thinking about investment is both an art as, and That's a right, science. Yeah. There's a lot of judgment, right? It's not like, oh, there is one perfect portfolio for you. Uh, maybe there is if you think about just in terms of mathematical formulas mm. and then, you know, coding everything up. But we mm. all know that uh, uh, that's not... The, the representation of the your your the reality, right. uh, so I think uh, being able to understand you know who you are as a person, mm -hmm. your journey, what you are trying to achieve, because right. I think in the end a lot of those goals, yes, there's the finance uh, you know money side of it, but mm -hmm. they can't all be quantified. Mm -hmm. um, so understanding how you have medium term goals and your know, different types of goals, uh, that's quite important, okay. and that's also where I see. You know, if I think about um, being able to trust the advice I get, um, you know, coming from someone who knows more intimately about who I am right. and um, giving me that advice versus, you know, asking ChatGPT, I give him right or her all the inputs he, he ever needs, you know, millions of data points and then mm. spit out an optimal portfolio. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure how much, uh, how comfortable I would be. So I suppose that. Uh, the advisor must also have some sort of we call good bedside manners because... I mean, without that, this person probably wouldn't be able to encourage you to be vulnerable, to share a bit more about yourself, mm -hmm. and then would not be able to give you that advice that is really custom-made for you, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, so yeah. if you can find an advisor like that, that can give you good advice, would you then pay for the advice? Because, I mean, in the, the Asian culture, especially Southeast Asia and Singapore, mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, if you go on the street and you ask people whether they'll pay for advice, and most people will say, no, I wouldn't pay for advice because I get free advice. But, <laughs> I mean, you, 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 you come from America, it's probably a bit different. Yeah, but I just want to sort of, like, understand, I mean, you have, you're an Asian, would you pay for good <laughs> advice? Yeah, I, I don't see why not. Uh, yeah, you're right. I've, I've worked in the U.S. for a long time, so we've had kind of right uh, people paying for financial advice yeah. being a m more of commonplace than probably now, here now. Um, but also, like when you said, "Oh, I get free advice," I laughed because in the end, if you think about how this world works, 
nobody works for free, right? So you're paying, for, you're paying for what you're getting mm. somehow, right? In some way, mm. um, and uh, so in my mind, if you are specifically paying for advice, mm. um, that uh, to me is a much more transparent setup than saying. Um, you are getting free advice or even some freebies, and mm. but then it's kind of packaging some other ways, and uh, that I don't fully know. Right. Uh, I feel less comfortable with that. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, Doctor Wei, you're an expert in investment, um, and you said that you're pretty confident in managing your money, except for the personal mm -hmm. uh, finance part. Would there come a time whereby you feel that? you wouldn't mind outsourcing the investment part even to get somebody uh, that will manage the investment part for you. Would you do that? Yeah, I'm actually thinking about uh, having someone, you know, can manage my whole financial situation. Okay. Um, you're saying more like the, just the investment side? Yeah, or the investment the side, because mm -hmm. it's only the personal finance side or, you know, the other aspects, not investments that maybe it gets complicated, you need to mm -hmm. get some help. So right now, you don't mind outsourcing, mm -hmm. right? Like managing the tax issues, oh, assess yes. different jurisdiction, you don't mind getting help. But the investment side, you're pretty comfortable, right? Because uh, that's your job. Mm -hmm. But would there come a time whereby you say, okay, even though I'm very good at it, I'm very comfortable managing the investments, I can take the volatility of the markets and all that. But okay, one mm -hmm. day I might outsource it, even, even that piece. Ah, I, I will see. get somebody to help me manage. Would you consider that? Um, if it's, it's kind of part of the full package of what mm. I'm getting, because in the end, the investment side cannot be fully disentangled, right, right. from the spending side and the, the saving side. So I can see that happening more okay. like, you know, holistic financial planning that includes yeah. both the investment and thinking about how I'm spending and also um, thinking about different goals or different liabilities I need to meet. I, I, I can see a possibility of that. But I guess because I'm you know, trained in doing that, I, yeah. I I would probably like that to be a more of a, uh, you know, mutual consult, kind of more okay. consultation okay. type of thing okay. instead of me letting go the whole investment part. Okay. I need to be able to see the portfolio to know, okay, that makes a lot of sense okay. to me. Yeah. Would you feel like if you outsource it, you feel like it's a waste of money because I actually can do it by myself, but now I'm paying someone else to do something that I already know, <laughs> right? And perhaps even in the discussion, uh, yeah, I mean, you're aligned in your views, right? But at the back mm -hmm. of your mind, would you think like, yeah, but I can do this on my own and I'm paying this person to do it. Would you feel like that at all if you, are, if you outsource it? Mm, yeah, I guess it goes back to the value for money thing. Okay. Uh, if that's the only thing I'm paying, I probably wouldn't pay a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I think it still will help, you know, take some of the my energy and time, right. uh, you know, away from it. Uh, so that's, or maybe give those back to me. So that's good. Uh, but if it's a part of the kind of overall planning, right. uh, I think right. that probably makes a lot more right. sense. I ask that yeah. because sometimes we do have clients who, when they come to us, they're actually pretty savvy and they've been managing their portfolios their whole life, right? But um, one day they just realize that they are tired and then they want to spend their time doing more important things to enjoy life. And so they are looking for like a provider to outsource, mm -hmm. right? It's like sometimes I say that you can be a very good cook and you can cook on your own probably, but you still go to a restaurant and eat it. 
Oh yeah, because that's you don't want to hassle, absolutely right? Absolutely true. That's exactly why I'm looking now because my life has right get, got a lot busier with the kids, mm. um, and uh, and also I think because these two pieces cannot be fully disentangled, right? It cannot be that uh, I have my as allocation set this way, but mm. then they're different from how you know how how we think about the cash flow planning and all of the you know, right. education planning and so on. So um, so maybe to reduce the back and forth between these two different parts and make it consistent right mm. uh, for what I need uh, then probably makes sense just to have everything taken right. care of right, yeah right yeah thank you so much for coming in to speak with us on this uh, conversation and this topic on the value of advice I'm sure the listeners have uh, definitely benefited a lot from listening uh, to this episode uh, for those of you who are listening to this thank you very much for tuning in once again I'm I apologize for my voice <laughs> and I better end the episode before it completely goes away but uh, if you like this episode please uh, follow us uh, not just on uh, podcast but our various social media platform so thank you once again for listening and thank you Dr. Wei thank you all analyses, views or opinions from interviews, recommendations and other information broadcasted, podcasted or published herein are provided for general information purposes only. Information expressed does not take into account any specific situation, particular needs or objectives and should not be construed as specific advice or a recommendation. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal or tax professional before taking any action. Provident Limited does not accept any liability for any loss whatsoever arising from any use of the information broadcasted, podcasted or published herein. All contents and information contained herein may not be copied or reproduced in whole or in part by any means without prior written consent of Provident Limited.